I guess I should come in whenever. You're listening to Trent Talk. <laughs> That's what she said. Your Halo, Halo by, by Halo guide <laughs> to America's greatest treasure. Uh, Trent Reznor. I thought you were going to say Mark Zuckerberg. I almost did. Oh, but then I almost threw up in my mouth a little because he's such a tool. Um, I'm Shia Carey. I'm Claire Dickerson. And today we have a special guest. Who we're going to talk over for the first couple of minutes of the episode. But uh, <laughs> allow us to introduce... Benson of the Benview Network. That's right. The eponymous Benson of the Benview Network is going to be joining us to talk about the film. Hi. <laughs> but we just figured at the top we're going to do like maybe five minutes just talking about how this got made. How did this get... Nope. So the Social Network soundtrack <laughs> was scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for the David Fincher film The Social Network. Based on the popular social media... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's about Facebook, guys. Oh my god, what? Wait, what? It's the Facebook film. Uh, the score garnered many the, the awards. Film. And, um, I mean, it, produ- it resulted in one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails moments in all history, which is Trent Reznor's acceptance speech for the Oscar for Best Original Score. Aww. It's amazing. I mean, he just does the standard boilerplate speech, like, just want to, uh, I'm so proud of all my team. And uh, Okay, thanks, bye. We'll throw on a clip at the end. Yeah, because, I mean, he didn't make a big speech out of it. Um, I think there was, we might talk about this later on, when they were performing, since they were nominated for Best Score, there was, like, a big technical glitch at the Oscars itself. Um, but, yes, 2011 Academy Awards, it got a lot of notice. And, um, yeah, there was a, a weird production history where David Fincher first approached Trent Reznor. And, for the uh, Fight Club the Musical? Just kidding. And first Trent said yes, then he said no, then he felt bad, so he called to apologize for fa- saying no, mm-hmm. found that the job was still available, and said yes again. Um, Trent Reznor sort of took a circuitous route to writing the music for David Fincher's The Social Network, but he and his longtime collaborator Atticus Ross made the most out of the gig once they took it. Um, that I'm pulling from an interview from The Rap on October 28, 2010. Cool. Um, and there's a lot of good little tidbits I might pull as we're discussing, especially... Um, one of the standouts for me was their interpretation of the Greeks in the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not its first time in a movie, but I feel like it was a pretty unique way that they used it. I loved it. I just, I guess, broad overviews. It, it sounds like ghosts, right? It, it's yeah. pretty much oh, ghosts yeah, 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 yeah. as it's, a soundtrack. It's basically ghosts as a soundtrack. There's I mean, even, what else is there to do? I think there's specific samples from a lot of ghost tracks. It that sounded show like up. that, yeah. But uh, I think it, it captures the themes of the movie quite well. And uh, you know what? Let's just get into talking about the film. Yeah. yeah. So, so Benson, I think yeah. you know this film way, way better than Claire or I. We watched it for the first time last night. Um, <laughs> oh, this was the first time you've watched it? Yeah. Yes. I, I was not aware. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <It was laughs> dipping our toes in that rich, rich pool. Yeah. Um, so do you want to give us a quick little rundown of, I mean, are you a historian of this film enough to, <laughs> to, to tee it up for us? Uh, to what am I teeing up for you? You just described the, the, the history of the film. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what were your thoughts and observations of the film? Um, that's a very broad question. I um, I, no, I liked it a lot. I, this was a movie that I got very obsessed with at one point in my life, where there was like a month-long period where I was watching it almost every day. I just wow. Yeah, um, and that was a couple years after it had come out because I saw it in theaters, liked it, but didn't really think about it again until years later after I'd gone through a similar phase with The Aviator <laughs> which is a very similar movie definitely the perfect movie to watch obsessively yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and then I did that with this one too um, and I read the book that it was sort of pseudo based on oh that that's what I'm sense. saying is you you are of the three of yeah. us the yeah. most qualified to talk about this film 
yeah the accidental billionaires which is weird um do you know anything about the book either of you no it's um, i didn't even know there was a book i actually sat there like who how do they even know some of this stuff <laughs> so the book was um the author of the book whose name escapes me right now but they did a lot of they did like a bunch of research and then they wrote basically the story of the founding of facebook as like in novel format but it was all according to the author true so it's a really it's kind of a weird interesting book um and it was one of those situations where like the movie got the movie rights got bought and greenlit before the book was released oh. so aaron sorkin who wrote the movie claims to have never read the book oh. um, i, th- I don't want to say it shows but this is like aaron sorkin's voice pervades the dialogue oh of this yeah movie. there's a lot of sorkinisms yeah. Yeah. Sorkinisms. um but then there's also like weird things where it's like oh no this exact scene in the book is in the movie as well i think sorkin's maybe full of shit because mm. this like line for line scene is in the movie oh, um, man. or maybe they use the same sources it could be it could be something like oh yeah that quick aside that's one of the other oscars that this film put, picked up best adapted screenplay aaron sorkin yeah um mm-hmm. so yeah that, i mean that's so I guess let's let's get into it. The the movie centers around, of course, the the founder and um, kind of uh, I was gonna say ingenue, but that's that's not that's not the kind of story this is. Um, it, it, it's not a building's Roman either, right? Like the structure of the film is kind of interesting because we're introduced to Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. who is Mr. Facebook, and we sort of get a, a look at who he is based on his his relationships with other people and how his life sort of changes and comes apart as Facebook uh, sort of becomes this albatross that, yeah. that he's trying to manage. He um, got he was he was mean to a girl. He yes, got broken first, up with. First scene of the movie yeah. is he uh, is he's Mark Zuckerberg being a douche. Yeah, and then he gets broken up with, and then he's a whiny little bitch on Live Journal. Which, like, who among us haven't been a li- whiny little bitch on li- bit, 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 Live Journal? Yeah, I, I mean, I have. I mean, yeah. I've never been on Live Journal, so just by virtue of that, I've been a whiny little bitch in real life. <laughs> but just <laughs> oh man, some of the I mean, we've all we've all done dumb things following you know. Um, non-amicable breakups, which is sort of how, I mean, according to the film, how Mark Zuckerberg first uh, became a programmer of note at Harvard. Um, So he was studying computer science and systems, and then, out of spite, created a Face mash? So this is a real thing, uh, face mash. Face mash is a real thing, yeah. Yes. Out of spite, I guess women in general, really, it seems. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I would say it's the, that's he does a lot of bad things in this movie. I I still think of the creation of face mash as the worst one. I don't know what, what you both consider it's, his I mean, biggest it's, crime. It's like full-on like Tucker Max misogyny. It's yeah, it's, it's very bad. It's awful. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Um, you compare the hotness of two university students. Yeah. Women, of course. Yeah. Who are uh, then they're they're in, they're um, I guess it's their yearbook photos are just pulled. From, well, it's the, the 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 their house photos for their dorm houses. Uh, yeah. Which is a big deal at Stanford because they keep referring Harvard. to Harvard. The other one. <laughs> uh, they they keep referring to like I guess he's at Kirkland, right? Which he's maybe, in Kirkland House, yeah. Okay. At Harvard. Which I guess was sponsored by Costco. Yeah, it's, it's, Costco has a, has a percentage of. Uh, I mean, you know, it's pretty. It's pretty good quality. I mean, for the value for what you're paying. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. you get bulk. Edu- they teach you a lot. <laughs> um, like, I didn't even think I needed this much education. Yeah, but here we are. But as I'm gonna as put it on everything. As Zuckerberg is developing this um, pretty despicable webpage, his his homie. Um, Eduardo Saverin. Zaver- Saverin, Saverin shows up and writes an algorithm 
which is weird because later on he only winds up being like kind of the business wing of, yeah. of Facebook. Yeah. But there's like I guess an algorithm that that Zuckerberg needed to make Face Mash work. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever saw that Spider-Man act, and he did a really good job. Oh, yes. I, he's, I, he's so good in this movie. Yeah. Andrew Garfield does a fantastic I might actually watch more movies that he's been in now. Because he's like, he's kind of your average pretty boy, and I don't, I don't seek those out anymore. Yeah. But he did a really good job. Um, but yeah, one of the overarching themes of the movie that emerges really quickly is there's this whole idea, especially at Harvard and the Ivy Leagues, of tradition versus modernity, or like, you know, sort of, um, you know, undermining of those traditions, and insider versus outsider, because Mark Zuckerberg, the whole time, like, nobody likes him. He doesn't really, he doesn't have a social life, like, even his even his dorm mates just sort of, like, put up with him. Yeah, Eduardo um, likes him, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, Eduardo's his only friend who he ends up stabbing in the back throughout the film. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he sort of he watches Eduardo sort of achieve social success, getting into the Phoenix, which I guess is like a sort semi-secret society at Harvard. It's, it seemed like it's like a skull and bones type thing, maybe? Sort of, yeah. Like, if you're a gentleman of the Phoenix, then you'll yeah. you'll always have contacts in every industry Is it or like whatever. a frat? It's like a super frat. Yeah. It's very frat because there's also that, that scene at the Phoenix party where it's like, it's like debauched and everything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a lot grosser in the book. Oh, <laughs> right. really? Yeah. That's that's another thing that Zuckerberg is obsessed with off the bat is he wants to get into like the best leader. He just wants to be popular. Club or whatever He's just like club. a... He's final, a final, final club. Yeah, he's a boring... Club. I'm like, look at me, America Albright over here. I can't remember <laughs> which one it was. I said the wrong thing. I think it was final. Because um, that is the thing that sparks his initial being a douchebag at her. She says final, and it's actually finals or one or the other. Yeah. But the whole reason it's he wants to get in is because he has... And, and this is another theme, is Zuckerberg's attitudes toward women are like... It doesn't totally... It's not... It's not like in a normal, relatable way where he's just like chasing the girl. It's like he's he's sort of after the status, you know, because he wants to go to a lead. I mean, final he's club a wealthy white boy. Yeah. Because they have, he wants to go to the place with the hottest girls that they bus in for you to hang out with. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's sort of like his relationship with women is kind of like this again, this outsider alien perspective where he's he's not he's not. I don't know. I just I can't. I can't quite fathom him throughout this whole movie. No. So, before we go any further, just how did you feel about the movie itself? I really enjoyed it. It's Mm -hmm. um, the pacing sort of carries... Because, like, there's two different lawsuits going on at two different periods in time. But just the way that it's edited winds up making it coherent. I think if anybody else made the movie, it would be nonsense. Um, David Fincher does a really good job at that sort of storytelling. Because, like... At first, he doesn't say, like, we're discussing a lawsuit. You kind of, like, you you fold into it, and it's really well done. Yeah, there's little indicators always, like, you know, mm-hmm. either the scene that you're in or, like, the things that they're talking about. Like, you immediately sort of cue in, like, oh, we're in this? Because it's, like, sort of disjointed timetables. But you sort of can follow it, and I like that a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The and other the Oscar music, it picked up was for best editing. Yeah, the music also. I think, I think that the soundtrack that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross makes lends really well to it. I'm gonna say like if if it hadn't been done by Fincher and Bresner and Ross, I would think it was a garbage. I just I don't give a fuck about any of these people. I don't care about any of it. I don't care. It's inter- like it's interesting the lawsuit aspect, but I was pretty bored the whole time. Now, Vincent, I'd love to get your take on this. Is um is a good Jesse Eisenberg performance? 
when you don't like him at all? Like, does that mean it's working? Um, I mean, because no, I don't like him as Lux Luthor, but I also don't think that's a good performance. So right. I don't think okay. that's necessarily he, wait, cute. He's Lux Luthor? Yeah. In, 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 uh, in BV, BVS DOJ. Yeah. And it's not good. Here's is. the thing. If he did exactly what he does in this movie in, in, in Superman, that would be a phenomenal Lex Luthor. Because just this cold, insufferable oh, asshole. Batman versus. Okay. I was uh, like, what is that acronym? And instead, he does this weird, over the top Joker esque thing as Lex Luthor, which is very <sighs> strange. That's gross. And he makes. He, he pees in like, a jar and makes it explode on a woman. Was it that like. In the film. Like Ooh. a Heath Ledger Joker? Or and like a Mark Hamill Joker. It's more like the Leto. Cesar Romero Joker. Oh, ooh. <laughs> not really. I mean, it's just it's just like he's very weird and like over the top and flamboyant. And it's like that's not that's not what Lex Luthor is. No. Even Gene Hackman, who was uh, like like flamboyant, maybe not not like that. It's, yeah. It's, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, and Hackman had the Hackman integrity. Like you love to hate him. But Jesse Eisenberg. But is I just love like, to hate him in hate... this movie. I, okay. I, I think if he just did this in Superman, it would have been perfect. But yeah, he, that, that was not the choice he made. Yeah, that's right. that's the thing. Is like it follows like his a lot of his growth is just kind of like uh, lost between the lines. Like the, his actual interactions with people, he's always sort of like he's always looking at it as a game, like almost as if he's writing code in real life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no point in the movie where I was like, he learned anything. Like, I don't think he learned any. Like, he learned things on like a intellectual level, but in terms of like treating people like people, like I, I didn't feel any character growth whatsoever from him. And then when so, what's his name? Parker, the Napster Sean guy. Sean Parker. Sean Parker. I want to say Andrew. Who the fuck is Andrew? Well, Andrew Garfield. I don't know. Anyway, when Sean Parker gets JT. involved, it's just. I forgot that Justin Timberlake was in the movie, so when he's Isn't like he laying though? in the bed, he does, I was he does like, really good. "He's good." Yeah. I mean, I feel like he's basically playing himself, mm-hmm. playing like somebody who failed. He's like, like I a feel failed like, version of himself. Yeah, that's just like his attitude, but it's like a failed version of himself. Yeah, but that, he's pretty good because I mean, he it's a, he could tap into that well because yeah, he he, I don't, I, he didn't to me he did not fail in real. No, he didn't. Oh. Yeah. He's he's just great. Love That's actually contrasting, um, <laughs> like sort of where um, did he play a pizza man in the Love Guru? Am I remembering that correctly? I don't know. Did he play a sexy French Canadian pizza man in the lo- in the film The Love Guru? Can that possibly oh, wait. be true? I think he was in The Love Guru. Am I, I didn't watch it, but I think he was in it. <laughs> Mike Myers Fans, was in The Love Guru, right? I know that. You yeah, know I think he was the Love Guru. The other I found, he, yeah, he was the titular Love Guru. <laughs> what I found out recently from friend of the network, friend of the show, Andrew Lindy. Mm-hmm. Is that Kanye West is in the Love Guru as himself in a weird like parody scene of the Kanye West and Mike Myers? On oh, the that's moment. kind of amazing! Wow. Yeah, I'll have to watch Love Guru. George Bush doesn't <laughs> right. care about black people. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I feel like you just that... made us two Mike Myers over here. We didn't know what to say. To <laughs> yep. Um, right. So uh, one thing I was going to point out is that sort of one of the indicators of Mark Zuckerberg's limited growth mm-hmm. throughout this film is like sort of contrasting how um, how Sean Parker sort of crashes and burns because like he's still sort of like he's he's like Zuckerberg was like 
he's chasing sort of this idea of like wealth and fame and luxury and loose women and drugs but he's not like it, he's looking at it just sort of like as a status symbol as opposed to like sort of genuinely inhabiting yeah, that role of he super doesn't celebrity participate because in he's also kind of chasing the weird punk rock idea of wanting to burn everything out that's why he got right. yeah. that mp3 break away for free when he was a kid mm-hmm. that's why he respects Sean Parker because he broke the music industry right not yeah. because he's like a larger than life celebrity yeah um, and that's the thing is like eventually he sort of catches on and he's also getting older and these things don't appeal to him quite as much so like he man he sort of like skips that whole phase of being a drug-addled rock star of programming yeah so he ends up like you know starts out quiet like angry misogynist nerd mm-hmm. and then ends up being like kind of alienated loner but a little less misogynist and superficial a little bit yeah, I mean, to me, this is more a movie of sort of negative growth of him going more and more inward as he had uh, the capabilities to. Right. And then just mm-hmm. kind of at the very end realizing, like, oh, shit, what have I done? Like, um, did he really get business cards that says, I'm the CEO, bitch? Because uh, that's gross. I believe that I do, that was in the book. I don't, I don't know if that's true in real yeah. life. I can't speak to that. Yeah, do you know, like... Uh, in the making of that book, like, was it mostly interviews with people who worked with Zuckerberg and uh, not him, Zuckerberg himself? It was. Uh, it wasn't Zuckerberg himself. Um, uh, it, it, he didn't say the sources, um, but uh, the author didn't. But uh, it was. Yeah, it, it would have been people that worked with him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he even uh, interviewed uh, Eduardo. Yes. Yeah, because uh, in the film they even say Eduardo Saverin settles for an undisclosed sum, mm-hmm. and he he was more than happy just to vanish out of the history of Facebook. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the. Remember when Facebook had a masthead? That's a weird idea. <laughs> and it had like a face yeah. specifically. Yeah. Yeah, that was before it opened up to being. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It was just yeah. Well, even when it was only when you had to have a .dot edu, it looked more. It it looked. It was more cooler. like it does now. I liked it back then. I liked it when before the wall, when the newsfeed was like, or not like, before wow, the wall, before nice. the newsfeed. The newsfeed was on your wall. Yeah. Everything you did was on your wall. There was no second fucking page. Yeah. It was so good because then it just it feels so. <sighs> oh shit! There was one moment know. in the movie that I kind of didn't like at all. It was um that Forrest Gump moment where like Zuckerberg is at like a Harvard computer lab like half asleep and then his friend comes in and is like hey do you know if uh, Ashley in your class is single and yeah. he's like well people don't go around with like a, a, a oh, label yeah. on him saying and then he just stands up and, and flees to his dorm room to oh, go no, like create relationship it's status so stupid, but I it's like so it. stupid but I mean I guess it you worked know. out I mean it's yeah. That was like the last thing, and he's like, "Now it's ready." That's also this one of the scenes that highlights the weirdly superhuman aspect of Mark Zuckerberg. That's true in real life, apparently. That in the dead of winter in Massachusetts, he would just always wear a t-shirt, shorts, and flip flops oh outside in the snow. That, like that, um, and that, he's like super skinny too. Like that's <laughs> like I, I can't. I, how does he do that? That outfit was designed for Mark Zuckerberg. It yeah. is the Zuckerberg. It's yeah. sandals. They're like Birkenstocks. Or, it right? was like Adidas, like okay, Adidas sandals. sandals. Yeah. Long but. white socks <laughs> and cargo shorts. Yeah. Like, wow. And probably, like, you know, loose change and shit jingling around in his pockets as he's running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a how D20. I think it's the cargo. Did you say a D20? <laughs> yeah. A D20. Come on, Claire. That's, <laughs> that's easy nerd bashing. Come also, on. That, that would that would have humanized him to me. That, yeah, that would have right? been, no. been more. We all know <laughs> he didn't have time to play D&D. Yeah. Um, or even just, like, Ability to. Be. I mean, he'd just be a, he'd be a min maxing like tiefling cross class. It wouldn't even be fun to play I with him. Hate having yeah. him. Yeah. 
Hey, I play a tiefling. <laughs> oh, you would play a tiefling. Ouch. I um, think they've been nerfed in the 5th edition, though, a little bit. Uh, I've only played 5th edition, really. Yeah. So. 3.5, it was like, if you played a tiefling, there wasn't... Just, come on. Because it's... <laughs> Are there dragon king, dragon kin? Are there dragon kings? <laughs> um, I believe there are dragon kings. Okay, yeah. um, what the hell were we talking about? Oh, right. So in one of the main D20 is in his pocket. <laughs> oh wait, what the fuck? In one of the in one of the so the synopsis of the film usually revolves around the the main lawsuit between Zuckerberg and the Winklevoss twins. The Winklevi. The Winklevoss. <laughs> well, I if I may, I have I have a much better. Winklevoss slur. What? Twinklevoss. Come on. <laughs> I mean, they're very pretty men. They they're pretty, but they're also men. very beefy. I wouldn't yeah. call them twinks. No, but they're not twins. They're big beefy boys. Based on, based they're on, very big beefy boys. Yeah. <laughs> based on my understanding. <laughs> based on my understanding. Is that underst- an otter? An otter is a hairless bear. No. Well, no, no. No, otters are just little bears. So That's right. The difference between a... a there is a term... <laughs> There is a term for a smooth bear, though, and I would more put them in that camp. Well, no, no, that's so. The difference, <laughs> as far as I understand it, the difference between a twink and a bear isn't necessarily body mass. Like, body mass is part of being a bear, but, like, it's, it's, they're her suitness. It's, it's body hair. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like their, their, like, outward, like, sort of gruff masculinity. Yeah. And they do not possess that. Like, they yeah, have... but a, a twink to me is a, is a very like petite, skinny, pretty boy. Well, I mean, they're like, and I, they're... I would not describe them as petite or skinny. But they're like, they're rowers. They're like, they're lean and muscular. No, they're big, beefy boys. They're they're right. they're rowers. Mike Mitchell was a rower. Rower. Claire's doing some research to, <laughs> to confirm. I'll be honest. I googled hairless bears, and I almost didn't like spe- like specify that I was talking about like gay yeah, culture, yeah, yeah. because I kind of wanted to just see a sun bear. Because they're just sure. so cute. <laughs> maybe that's what they are as sun bears. Um, maybe. Maybe, yeah. The Twinkle Vosses. So they were portrayed by one actor, yes? Uh, sort of. Well, there was two actors. Seal bear. A, oh, a seal, seal bear. A seal. A mostly hairless, heavier man. And okay. I apologize. Twice I hit my headphones against the microphone Wait, trying to quickly a, do this. There's a shape-shifting bear? That's like, a D in, that's like in the monster manual. Anyways, um, all right. So yeah, it's so it's it was two actors in the room, and then they CGI'd. Uh, so Army Hammer is the face of both of them, but it was two actors in the room, and right. they CGI'd Army Hammer's face on the other one. There were a few moments that they used CGI that I found not super effective. Well, pretty much one moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime they were outside in quote unquote Boston, which they were filming in Los Angeles, yeah, um, they had to CGI like their breath hanging yeah. in the air. Yeah, and it was distractingly fake. I didn't notice. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I I've, I think I, that almost any time you have to put breath in a movie, it has to be CGI'd because you just you're not gonna really pick up. I mean, unless you're really in like Canada, time. yeah, it's not really gonna show. Right. I like tried to do it in photographs. Movies and, has to has milk in it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Milk rain. Mm. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, like the, the conflict with the Winklevosses. Discuss. I kind of I thought that was interesting, but. Um, sorry. Excuse me. I lost my train of thought. I thought it was interesting, but also it's just like, it's one of those things throughout the whole movie. I'm just like, I don't care about your white problems. (laughs) I don't care. And especially with them. Like one brother was kind of just like, we can't just expect them to hand us whatever we want. And the other brother was like, I, we're white and men and we deserve this. And I mean, he didn't say it, but he said it. 
And then when they went into like the dean of Harvard's office, and he was just like, "What do you expect?" And then the one Winklevi was just fucking fuming. I'm like, "Yeah, (laughs) motherfucker, that's right." I love that scene. Um, I I mean, that was I think kind of painfully Sorkin, where they decided to like pretty much. um, There's many many scenes in this movie where two characters or three are having like basically a a verbal sword fight. Yeah. And it's like whoever is the smarmiest ends up winning. Yeah. And and I, I get that and I like that. But, like, when they take it to the president of Harvard and then he's, like, rolling his eyes and being smarmy, it's, like, really a little too far. No, I like that because I, I think because I hate the Winklevoss, <laughs> the Winklevoss, yeah. and I like to see them just get shut the fuck down like, by the yeah. president of Harvard. But Larry Summers turns to his secretary while they're talking and says, punch me in the face. Like, okay, right. could you be smarmier? <laughs> yeah. I... What scene was it? Well, well, I guess there were a couple scenes. Whenever, like, they would talk about how, like, tough they were, how strong they were, how fast they were, how cool they were, they'd be like, yeah, there's two of me. Like, yeah, you're twins. I get it. You're twins. Yeah. But I love we that because it. it's like, you guys are such fucking dork asshole villains, and yeah, I love that. I guess. But they also, I like that they, they call that out, too, is like, how's it going to look if we sue Zuckerberg? Like, it's going to look like we're in skeleton costumes chasing the, chasing karate, the kid. karate kid around the gym. That, that was, so the, the person who did the book, they, uh, they, they interviewed uh one of the winklevite and that's a that is a real line from a real <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of good lines in this yeah that that's, one that one was direct from one of the winkle bosses in real life and again that's sort wow. of like the, the verbal sparring that goes on in this film it, all, it usually always ends up with a very satisfying like kill stroke yeah like um when edward eduardo saverin is finally having wardo, that with Sean, wardo is finally having it out with sean parker he like faints a punch and then sean parker kind of like withers yeah um and he says i like standing next to you makes me look so tough yeah and he's, and he's like 110 pounds so yeah yeah mm. that yeah that whatever um <laughs> no i no? had i mean i had a chuckle but it's just like it, i mean that's that's yeah arguably maybe not the most effective that kind of that kind of dialogue just reminds me of like really old like superhero comics from like the 60s and 70s and it's just like yeah okay you're clever i guess what about the rashida jones I liked her. Yeah, but she, then the, her kill stroke. Which was hers. You're not an asshole, Mark. You just try so hard to be. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'm saying is like it, it sort of ties up the whole scene in a little knot. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think is, that's a Sorkinism sort of thing, right? Yeah. What else has he done? West Wing. West Wing. Um, I didn't watch that. A Few Good Men. Oh. Um, what's, what's the what? <laughs> one in my brain and then it oh, vanished I haven't seen right. that one. it generated in my brain and then just sort of disintegrated on my way to my mouth and yeah. that's why I didn't have that movie title because right. I guess I know his sports name Sports Night that show is that what the show is called Sports Night <laughs> Sports Night Ooh, the newsroom wow. that was one of his Ugh, I kind of wish I never saw Aaron Sorkin's face but here we are he's in the film oh, he's oh, in he, the movie of course he did the Steve Jobs screenplay oh yeah um, Steve Jobs Charlie Wilson's War, and yeah, again, he's basically. He uh, likes Steve Jobs was the one that disintegrated on its way to my mouth when I was trying to remember it. Yeah, he pretty much always takes on screenplays that involve like the world's smartest people in the highest positions of power. Yeah, that's kind of his thing. Have you seen the the? It's a YouTube clip where it's about sorkinisms, and it just takes every time he's used the same line in different shows. Interesting. There's one of them in the Social Network where um, uh, he says something like, "Oh, I'm so rich, I could I could buy that building and turn it into my ping pong room." Oh right. yeah. That's in the Social Network, and it's in the West Wing, and it's in another movie that he wrote. It's like that's just a weird line that Sorkin loves to do all the time. Right. Um, Why a ping pong room? Well, that's that's the startup culture thing. Like in 
like any startup, like one of the one of the things they say, like, oh, we have a really chill, laid back office. You know, we don't have like a dress code or anything. We got a, we got foosball, we got a ping pong room. That's, yeah, I guess it's like a standard. Kegerators. Yeah, it's like a, a standard uh, startup bullshit thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess. Uh, yeah, we talked about the Twinkle Vosses. Um, what I liked about it, again, is like, it's sort of... Um, the Seal Bear Vosses. Thank you. Uh, actually, Honey Badger is like a blonde, hairless, muscular person, so I think that's maybe the most accurate one. Are badgers hairless, though? Are no. Honey Badgers blonde is another question. I know they don't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, that's their famous... <laughs> famously, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> don't give a fuck. Oh, right. Remember when that was in the Nut commercial? No. Those weird nut commercials. No. Where it was like they just took whatever internet meme was cool that week and they and was like these nuts don't don't give a fuck. I they couldn't have said fuck in a nut commercial. <laughs> but they have one with Psy too, like at the height of Gangnam Style. The Psy was in one of these nut commercials. I don't no know one? if I got the those nut commercials Emerald in the Midwest. Nuts, I think they were. I don't know. No one remembers Emerald Nuts. No, I mean that's. They're I think one, you they're one of the largest, it. They're one of the largest nut growing cooperatives in Southern California. Oh, good for them. Yep. I mean, I can picture it, but I don't think we got commercials for them in Wisconsin. It might have been Blue Diamond, is what you think of. I'm pretty sure it was Emerald Nuts. All right, did the, All right cool. Go, let's get the tape. Someone, listener, please <laughs> send a postcard, vindicate me. <laughs> Emerald Nuts had really weird, bad commercials where it was a totally white room, and then the honey badger snows up, and it was all about how they could crack the nut with their signature weird style. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sai likes his nuts, Gangnam style. Emerald Nuts. Um, so, yeah, the conflict between the Winklevi and Zuckerberg sort of, um, it takes, like, the age-old conflict between jock and nerd to, like, the highest intellectual level. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, these are all gentlemen of Harvard. Um, but yeah, like, once again, instead of, instead of, um, trying to beat them at their own game, you know, because Zuckerberg would never have the same sort of power socially, the same the same sort of status socially, if he was like trying to go through the same channels, like trying to like get on a rowing team, trying to get into a, a, a fraternity, almost said sorority. Um, and so what he does is he sort of makes all those traditions kind of like irrelevant yeah. um, through like his genius programming and doing something that no one has ever done before. Yeah. And um, yeah, like they crash the Harvard server and beca- they become notorious overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing is like it's Mark Zuckerberg's whole philosophy is like anti-tradition. Yeah. It's um, move fast and break things is what Facebook's motto used to be. Mm-hmm. It has actually changed now. It is uh, move fast with stable infrastructure, <laughs> which I think Zuckerberg said is kind of a joke to himself. Yeah. Who honestly I feel like is his his main audience for whenever he's doing something is yeah. like do I find this funny yeah it's a I think about Mark I think about what the real life Mark Zuckerberg is like have you seen much of him in interviews uh not much he doesn't do many because he's kind of like goggle-eyed and yeah. like he has this constant nervousness which I think Jesse Eisenberg gets a little bit of um but I think honestly now that he is the superstar and the face of that whole company um he still hasn't shaken like this physical his physical language that I see in him is he's sort of living in fear of the ass beating that never came <laughs> like because he, yeah, did, he, did, he did so many like ass whooping worthy things in his rise to celebrity and it ne- he dodged every one like a little chihuahua on a sweater just constantly shivering it's yeah. a little bit like he's he I mean obviously now that he's making like gajillions of dollars has like a, phys- a personal trainer and he has like a tan and whatever but he's <laughs> deep if you look at <laughs> Palo Alto you look, tan you look in those big jelly cow eyes he's got then, then yeah it's, you can just sort of see this weird quivering fear oh. anyways and you he also see, he also see- speaks at a velocity 
150% of a normal human. Yeah. Well, that's kind of in the movie he does that. Too. Yeah, 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 Eisenberg nails that. Yeah. Um, you ever see his dog? Uh, Zuckerberg's dog? Yeah. No. He's got one of those weird dreadlock dogs. The It's like a big dog uh, with like dreads. The mop, the mop mm. dog. Mop dog. And you, there's a picture of it, the dog jumping where it's just a big poof of dreads. It's pretty cute. That was the cover of Beck's Odelay album. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, ever I seen so. Beck and Jesse Eisenberg in the same place? Mm. Ooh, conspiracy. Mm. Jesse Eisenberg is a Scientologist. I would be curious to see the sequel to this movie, though, with like Zuckerberg of the last 10 years, as like his whole thing in this movie is kind of anti-establishment and breaking right. things and breaking friendships in the course of that, versus now where he's like this kind of weird authoritarian. Doing right. all yeah. exactly yeah. what Eduardo wanted to do. Kind of, yeah. Um, and, and honestly, like I think... If not him, his peers are like courting positions in the new Trump administration. It's yeah. disgusting. Peter Thiel in this movie, real life villain Peter Thiel uh, makes an appearance in this movie as a character. Ugh. Not no, wait. the he's not in the movie. The, the real Peter Thiel is in this movie, but the Peter Thiel is a character in this movie. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. What the hell was I gonna say? Um, um, I mean, oh, right. One one standout scene to me was um, so Zuckerberg moves his whole company to. Um, Palo Alto, yeah. uh, my hometown, sort of, um, at the behest of Sean Parker. And, you know, Sean sort of takes a more active role in shaping the company. He has, like, all of his uh, all of his coders, like, doing shots. And, like, he has just, just random girls smoking bongs on a couch just to sort of create, like, this stoner laid-back ambiance of just, like, permissiveness and hedonism. Um, but, yeah, like, once again, Zuckerberg is sort of, like, just floating through that. It, none of it really interests him. Oh, and then when Sean sets the two drinks down on the laptop, it just fills me with so oh, much anxiety. Oh, yeah, that was, a, that was a very deliberate <laughs> The whole touch. time. Yeah. He puts two, like, perspiring glasses down on a, a keyboard. Yeah. Because, oh. again, he's he's not... He's not a coder. He's not a computer dude. He's he's the idea man. I do like, though, when yeah. they... they I think it's like Mark is outside looking in and you see a girl, like, blow off, like, a champagne bottle or something and liquid flies everywhere and you just hear guys like, No! Stop! Stop! Please stop! <laughs> that is good. But the standout scene for me in that is when Eduardo finally shows up from New York as he's been shopping around. Basically, there were two divergent approaches to what they were going to do with Facebook, and that is monetize it immediately or, like, sort of bide their time with more angel investment, you know, expand, 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 and then start selling ads. I feel like they they skimmed too much over what he was actually doing, and I wasn't sure right. exactly what he was doing in New York. Like, I, I knew that he probably was going out there for business reasons, but I... Yeah, Eduardo's He role, went out I there for like an internship, he and he quit. To, he had the internship, and then he was like, he was trying to sell ad space on Facebook. Yeah, and then the girl. Listen, I don't want to like knock. I. There's nothing wrong, ladies, with hooking up with a guy in the bathroom. But th- those aren't the people you spend the rest of your life with. I feel like, right? Yeah. Does anybody? Mm. Continue a long-term relationship with somebody. They're like, "Oh, you're famous. Let me suck your dick in a bathroom." <laughs> We're dating now. I just well, it didn't work out for Eduardo in the movie. No, I was, and there's no mention of the girl. I mean, well, like, what's interesting is they, they, they this in the book. It's mentioned in real life. Uh, at this time in Mark Zuckerberg's life, he was dating the woman who he ended up marrying. I don't think uh, he met her like that, but uh, yeah, but he was like that's where that relationship started and in the book it's like very clear that like oh no Mark Zuckerberg was cheating on, on this his girlfriend who would become his wife Jeez. Uh, a lot during this time yeah and the movie kind of does him the kindness of, of, of not of mentioning not that, that yeah because yeah. she's not mentioned at all like, she's not the Erica no Priscilla yeah. Chen is his yeah, wife yeah 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 um, 
Um, so. But they might not have got Harvard, so. Yeah. Oh, okay. right. So, I mean, it's. I mean, gold digging is, is a, a growth industry. Yeah. And silicon digging, if, if that's okay. what this might be called. I don't know. But, yeah, like, I guess that's the one detail. Silicon molding? No. That's the one well, detail. that's a different kind of silicon. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> the one detail, like, the one sort of subplot we get with Eduardo, aside from him gradually, you know, getting cut out of the business, is he has a sort of abusive, super possessive girlfriend mm-hmm. who lights a fire in his room. But what I liked about that scene is, um, like, if it was, you know, an HP show they would be doing exposition and there'd be like naked women snorting drugs off of each other in the background just to keep you interested because it's a phone conversation there's not much happening in the scene mm-hmm. yeah. but instead they kind of get creative with it and his girlfriend like lights a fire and he's like frantically trying to put it out while he's still on the phone yeah. like it's so even in the films kind of like you know in scenes that might drag because they're talking about business and tech they still manage to keep it a little bit lively you know yeah. oh but the thing I was going to bring up earlier that I've been sidetracked a few times now is Eduardo shows up, um, you know, drenched with rain because Zuckerberg forgot to pick him up at the airport. And then they go into a back room to have a conversation. And first of all, Eduardo is dry instantly. Um, but yeah, movie magic. Um, I thought he was still pretty damp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah so like, shy. <laughs> You've been outvoted. <laughs> no, all right. We've decided he was still wet. Well, I said qu- damp. Doesn't, qu- <laughs> doesn't qualify for the goofs page. All right. Uh, but yeah, this whole scene, like Zuckerberg is sort of laying out why he wants to bring his company to Palo Alto and sort of beseeching, like he doesn't want to cut Eduardo out, but he's sort of like in this weird space where like, I don't know if it's like lo- lack of sleep or like his, his, um, his I mean, he, he does never seen doing any drugs, but he was a college kid. He drank a shitload. So he's just well, kind of also, in this. There's that scene at the start of the movie where when he first uploads uh the first version of Facebook before Face Match. And he passes out. It was like just <laughs> sitting up because he hadn't slept for like three days. So that, I mean, in real life and, and in the movie, it's not really addressed, but that was definitely a thing where he would just, he would code for 18 hours and just not sleep. But yeah, that's a scene where we're sort of getting the picture that like as much as Mark Zuckerberg, like as, you know, the idealist Zuckerberg who still wants to like keep his best friend in the business is gradually losing the ability to do that because mm-hmm. it's sort of growing out of his control. And the whole time he's having this conversation, he's holding like a Twizzler. It's Which, a red vine. A please. red vine. <laughs> this is the West Coast. <laughs> we don't eat that East Coast Twizzler shit over here. But I just felt like a limp, like Twizzler, a limp Twizzler was it's like... because you're not from the West Coast. <laughs> I'm not from the East Coast. I felt like a limp piece of licorice was like the exact way to sort of like... It, it, like, um... How to... Metaphorize? That's not, that's not a word. Matador? It was, was, a good, was a good metaphor for sort of uh, Zuckerberg's like mental state. But then maybe also his like useless and atrophied sex drive. Just saying. Movies. I just thought it was a fun detail. He's eating red vines while he's having this conversation. Right. That's Yeah, he doesn't even think to, like, put it down or, like, clean himself up or anything. Yeah. He's just like, listen, you gotta come out here, man. Yeah. Yeah. Except um, he says it about five times faster than that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the way the relationship with Eduardo kind of plays out in that I think some of this movie does well is... You, you kind of see why, or maybe just if you've watched it 500 times like I have, you see like exactly why Zuckerberg does all the things he does. And I think in his head, he he was trying to do the right thing with Eduardo, even at the end when he cut him out of the business. I think in his mind, he was like, oh, if I, I can give him a 0.3% share of a successful business, or I can let him keep running it and give him a 
30% share of a failed business. I think he thought he was doing the right thing for Eduardo, but it's just so clear that, like, no, that's because you're an asshole and you you can't consider anyone else's point of view. And I think the movie does a really good job showing that. That's why I like it so much. Well, I mean, it's a good character study. They could have taken but any I, of the stock dilution I, on their own shares. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a middle road there. Like, he, <laughs> there was clearly some fuckery. But, yeah. But I think also, like, Mark Zuckerberg, he tries to not be a petulant, you know, vengeful asshole, mm-hmm. but he is. Yeah. Um, or he, he behaves like one, yeah. at the very least. Well, in his head, it's all, it's all just logical to him, and he doesn't see, like, he doesn't he doesn't know how to factor in other people's feelings, other people's points of view. Right. And that's... that's least know. of all women. Yeah. yeah. Least of all women. Can we talk about, like, well, the minor characters in this movie who yes, are women? Yeah. But can we first... We're, like, halfway through the thing, so we should probably do an talk- ad. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Sure. All right. <laughs> So, um, I think it would be fun if we had Benson do just talk about maybe your current favorite Benview podcast uh, instead of us try to fumble through an ad. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of great shows on the Benview Network. You can check them all out on BenviewNetwork.com. Uh, we just added a new one called Raygun Readers. Uh, everyone should check that out. Uh, if you're a fan of Midnight Marinara, a show where they discuss internet horror stories, you'll probably like, uh, which is also on the Bevy Network, you'll probably also like Raygun Readers. Uh, they do the same thing, basically, but with sci-fi stories. Ooh. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I would say check that one out, Raygun Readers on the Bevy mm-hmm. Network. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Let's get back into it. And we're back. So I guess one thing we should definitely talk about is um, how do you feel the music complemented the themes and traject- character developments within we were the film? talk about minor characters. Oh, let's talk about minor <laughs> characters real fast. <laughs> Rashida Jones, you know, the, excellent. The, the music was really like another character. <laughs> it was. Whoa, minor good character. point. I think no. the the music was a major character. Yeah, um, yeah Rashida's good. I mean, yeah. she's good always. She's she's the best. She's a treasure. Um. Rooney Mara, I didn't even recognize that that was her. Right. The girl without the dragon tattoo. It's weird because mm-hmm. I know her mostly from this movie. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I knew her in, in Dragon Tattoo first. Because uh, I didn't, I didn't, I mean, obviously I watched Social Network last night for the first time. Yeah, I always think of this in Side Effects when I think of her. I don't know Side Effects. Side Effects is good. It's, um, what's his name? Why am I blanking? I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's her and Catherine Zeta-Jones and Ewan McGregor. Okay. Because I like Ewan McGregor. I could be wrong about Ewan McGregor. Oh, well, then I don't care. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie, though. It's, Ewan it's... McGregor? More like me and McGregor. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. Um, who else? Good minor character. Um, I mean, that's the thing. We that's don't... all the women in the we, Yeah, that's... <laughs> unfortunately. I'm, yeah, I'm oh, reaching. Just, yeah. I'm reaching, trying to think of, like, any... And that's the thing, is, like, it's... Um, there, Rashida's presence in in the story sort of highlights the lack of any other like female voices in the film and in the tech industry at large. Yeah. Even though like they do equal shares of the coding, they, their stories just never get told because that's, yeah, that's, that's the way the game is run. Oh, really quick. This is the only song we wanted to turn up on. Right. In the hall of the mountain King. Yeah. Um, I like the way this is used sort of right at the moment where the Winklevi and their buddy, um, decide to finally press charges against, Mr. Zuckerberg, after they figure out at their yacht club race um, mm-hmm. that Facebook has expanded to Europe, um, and it sort of shows that like all the plot lines have finally like come to a head. Everything's sort of like spinning out of control, and it's reminiscent of another time this was used in cinema, the movie M, where a serial killer knows he's about to get caught, but he can't stop obsessively whistling this song, which is, mm-hmm. and it's the perfect song for that as well. Let's give a listen. Yeah.
Good stuff. Um, so I have an article here from The Quietus um, interviewing Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Atticus. Okay. Yeah, just there's an you there's <laughs> Atticus Ross, but there is there, sorry, forget it. Um, <laughs> so they ask why bring in in the hall of the Mountain King, and Trent Reznor says we basically finished the whole picture, but with a big hole in the middle that said Henley Regatta scene to be filmed. Now we knew the whole landscape of the film, and we knew the sonic territory we were in. David wanted to film that at the actual event, which I think is the 4th of July, so his team came up with the idea of In the Hall of the Mountain King, in the vein of Wendy Carlos from the 1970s, but not comical. So we went down the wrong path. It ended up sounding goofy, like a switched-on Bach. Authentic, I thought, but in the context of the film, it felt stupid. So we spent about three weeks agonizing over that track, trying to beat it into submission. And when we finally eased up on the restrictions we placed on ourselves, it turned out great. I think this is actually really good right here. The drop. <laughs> um, I think it needed about three weeks to get to that pr- that place. It was the one moment in the process where we felt like there may actually be a homicide. It was pretty tense. <laughs> um, but yes, now actually hearing it again, I remember that's this was during the race that yeah. the Winklevi were just taking all their anger about everything that's happening with Facebook and trying to just paddle harder. And lost the race. <laughs> and lost the race by less than a boat length. Yeah. Never seen a race that close. Devastating. Dad's rich friends. <laughs> right. That's that's another thing. Is like um, I feel like Zuckerberg is the only character in the movie who never encounters his family. Yeah. Like we never meet the, the Zuckerbergs. Like everyone else sort of like has some ties to their dad, which yeah. I think is like kind yeah. of because um, I mean it's all daddy's money. Like in in the Ivy Leagues, that's yeah. that's what it's all about. Um, but. Zuckerberg not having that sort of gives him the freedom to be the iconoclast and sort of tear down all these traditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, uh, their buddy, uh, Divi Narendra, that's right. the character's name. We should mention that because it's kind of a controversial point in the movie in that, that that's an Indian man in real life and it's Portrayed not an Indian by, actor in the movie. Uh, Max how do they Miguel, do that? Uh, you know what else, though? Those twins weren't portrayed by twins. Yeah, but that's not as bad. That's I, not brown I know face. it's not. Shy <laughs> <laughs> um, is just sensitive because he's a twin. <laughs> it's all about representation. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, a lot of these redheads don't naturally have red hair, so. Ooh. But yeah, yeah let's talk about something that actually matters. Um, so, I mean, there's not much said of them, like, yeah, that's kind of a bummer. I kind of wish they'd, they'd not right. done that. There's one plenty of, of Indian actors. One yeah. of the rare opportunities that they could have brought, like, a, a significant character of color into the yeah. film, they didn't. Yeah. Um, and I like that character. That character has a few moments that I like, but it's like, there's no, there's no reason this sh- couldn't have been played by right. someone who Yeah, actually... I mean, he had a lot of juicy lines, too. Yeah. Like his, I um, agreed with his perspective a lot, too, because... I think one of his sick burns on Zuckerberg was, um, like, Zuckerberg said in, like, an interview with the, the Harvard Crimson, like, you know, I'm trying to do this whole thing with with a level of classiness. Um, and then they're checking out Facebook for the first time, and, like, at the bottom of every page, it says, like, this is a Mark Zuckerberg production. Yeah. Like, Wait, I need to take a moment and let the classiness, classiness waft over me. me. Yeah, was, yeah mm-hmm. sick burn. Sick mm-hmm. burn. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um... So, were the Winklevi, this is a totally pointless thing to bring up, it seemed like they were wearing retainers through the whole movie, because they were always kind of talking, and I don't know, it's, it seemed like their mouth, that's just their weird voice, voice to me. it just yeah. seemed like, it seemed like, like their voice. teeth didn't all the way fit in their mouth, it was, there like, was, in the first scene that we meet them, like, the burlier of the two did seem like he had something in his mouth, right, I, I just saw a retainer the whole time, but, I mean, they probably had perfect retainer teeth, mm. you know, once you have, I mean, like, once you've 
worn a retainer for so many years, you're gonna your mouth is gonna fall in a way that it did when you had a retainer once your retainer is out. Yeah. So you're gonna have retainer mouth for the rest of your life. Quite. Retain that image, ladies. But yeah, ultimately <laughs> I, I feel know. like they um they kinda came out on top after all this because like they got money and like they never really programmed anything. They didn't have a case. Right. Like yeah. I mean so we all we are all in this room in agreement that they were yeah they did not have a case they didn't have a case right because so many people I talked about this movie thing like no the Winkle vibe were right what did, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg stole their idea it's like he didn't they did none of the legwork they did none of the legwork they didn't have the idea their the idea, idea they came up with different. was an idea that existed except it was for just Harvard yeah it was literally like, it was it was a dating service for Harvardians that's all it was <laughs> and like a social network isn't necessarily a dating service yeah. so that wasn't they didn't have a case well that that is an interesting. <laughs> note though that they yeah. hit, they hit on a couple of times like why are people interested in Facebook like it's to find out if people are single and what they're looking for and what they're into and that's that's sort of like is the central like conceit of like why Facebook is kind of a garbage site um, yeah I mean it's become something different now it's like how a lot of people get their news or argue about things pointlessly so it's garbage because that news is all fucking bullshit mm. I don't know, there's some fun groups you can be in. I That's guess. true. There's, there's and then get annoyed with, and then rage quit all of them eventually. Yeah. A lot of cute yeah. pictures of dogs. That's, that's mainly the groups I'm yeah. in. It's just dogs and Cats dogs. for me. Um, how, did you, how did you join or find out about Facebook? Um, I was graduating high school. I was in my senior year, and I'd been accepted at UC Davis, who recently uh, uh, had a protest that resulted in... Uh, Martin Shkreli getting dog shit smeared in his face. Oh, this is current recently. This, I thought you meant recent happened, at the this, time. Yeah, this, this happened. This, like this happened but yeah. Um, don't know if I'm proud of that or not, but you know, I'm I, not. I'm this not. Detail upset. of the story that I think is weird is it was for it was for uh, Emilio Yiannopoulos right thing. Wait, and it's like this? it's like Martin Shkreli was there because of course, yeah, <laughs> like it's not it really reference why he was there, but it's like yeah, of course he was. What it does was this like, have to do with you joining Facebook? Because I had been accepted to UC Davis, and where this happened this at UC occurred. Davis. Oh, but yeah. it, it happened yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't care. How did you? Do, why did you join <laughs> Facebook? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't care about a protest. That's why. Also, yesterday. I was like, he was like, oh, recently is in yesterday, is it not when you joined Facebook? I'm right. so confused. No, I'll own that. I just wanted to. I don't know. I'll I mean, he's about, a douchebag. Do you want to talk guy. about Martin Shkreli getting shit in his face? Yeah, yeah we can talk I mean, about that we later. <laughs> just we're in the we're we're awash with uh, just douchebags with power yeah. so i figured yeah. just one of them getting a little bit of comeuppance would okay. be cathartic yeah but excuse me for not sticking to a strict timeline uh, I, I just wanted to answer the Zuckerberg. question <laughs> no scrolly he's worse than everybody yeah. <laughs> he, he's also a stalker i don't know if you know he's like a very aggressive stalker yeah he's a yeah. terrible man yeah okay anyway <laughs> anyway um <laughs> This isn't so a podcast. I had been accepted to UC Davis, so I had a ucdavis.edu email address, so I was able to join in like 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess the real reason, like I already had a MySpace and stuff like that, but um, like I was sort of coached. I actually created my profile at like a friend's house because they were like, no, man, you got to do it. You got to join up, man. And, were you uh, friends with Cheech or Chog specifically in the Dave's Not Here Man bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> Dave's Not Here Man. Um, so. So, but actually, uh, to be totally honest, it was like trying to get at a specific girl in my journalism class because, like, oh, what if we, what if we linked up on Facebook? And sure. of course, uh, nothing came of that because it's creepy and pointless. <laughs> what about you, 
Um, I was one of those horrible, uh, snobbish kids who were saying they were that. Oh, Facebook sucks. It's 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 the downfall. I was I was a real snobbish shithead mm-hmm. in high school, mm-hmm. um, who looked down on Facebook for many many years and then finally just caved and got it one day. Yeah. Um, there was a time before when you could tag a picture of somebody without them having a profile. You could tag, like, their name and their email address. Oh, that's terrible. So I was getting photo tags from my cousin Maya for, like, six months, I want to say. Maybe even longer than that. And then finally I was in college and I was like, okay, like my friend Beth was just like, you have to be on Facebook. How are we going to make, like, cool friends in college? (laughs) Peer pressure was, like, a major asset to Facebook's growth. Mm Mm-hmm. So then I joined, and then I accepted all, like, 300 of my cousin's photo tags. Mm. Yeah. I thought you were going to say 300 of your cousins. That was, that was alarming. <laughs> I have, like, 30. <laughs> Still a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, those are the good old days, too. It was before anyone's mom was on Facebook. Those were the good old days. Oh, and their grandmother. Hi, Grandma, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Grandpa. I think he is. This oh, your grandpa, yeah. I have one grandpa. My granddad, I don't think so. But my grandma, there's a good chance. <laughs> How are your grandparents, Benson? I just have one on Facebook. This, yeah, she's alright. Yeah. My grandparents are cool. My grandma doesn't use it much. When she does, it's to be like, you're protesting. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, thanks, grandma. That's a- weird. That's- Angie's grandma is the queen of Facebook. Yeah? She is so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> but good in the fun way. Because like, she'll always like... Anytime Andrew posts like a picture, it should be like, "Oh, cute pic." I've seen that. <laughs> I love it. It's so adorable. Picked. Oh, yeah. I love when I love when parents and grandparents sign. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah, she does that too. Yeah. E. She always puts on the end. Grandma. <laughs> it's so good. Love Sharon. <laughs> Your peepaw. Um, peepaw. Oliver's on Facebook. Oliver, when did you when did you first find out about Facebook? Oh my god, I wish that sound would have gotten into the audio. Because yeah. not, not only did he look directly at Claire when she said, Oliver, <laughs> he, he had a little uh, conversation. Uh, he went, He said like most of a sentence, yeah. yeah. He first joined Facebook uh, September 9th, 2011. How long have I had him? 2012? He was... Uh, no, never mind. His last name was offensive. He's Oliver Butterscotch now. <laughs> well, because I okay. Well, I you wanted... can tell me off off mic, <laughs> but I do want to know now what well, his original last name I, was. I used to love uh, Arthur or Archer. Mm. I, like, I loved Archer a lot. And when I first got Oliver, he was really playful and he would just like attack the shit out of your arm and like mm. really just muck it up. And there's a line in Archer when. Cheryl has like this big wild cat and he's like it's like Meowshwitz in there oh so his last name was Meowshwitz for a while sorry everybody (laughs) direct all letters to John Bedrick (laughs) yeah I I didn't make that I couldn't think of the actual character the creator of Archer H. John H. John yeah but he didn't create the show I can't think of I know I don't know either Uh, so what do you guys make of the significant, I mean, significance, but how do you feel about the last scene of the movie where Zuckerberg is borrowing someone's computer at the law firm where he's being sued and he, um, he friend requests his, uh, 
ex-girlfriend yeah. who he alienates at the very beginning of the movie yeah. and he just refreshes the page like every five seconds to see if she's accepted the request uh i like the moment i think it's a sign that he's like kind of got that um it's it it does two things which i think got that he, he recognizes like oh i'm kind of a shithead or maybe i should try to fix that and also he's still a shithead because of the way he's getting weird and obsessive over it already yeah that's exactly how i felt yeah and yeah, that, but I also saw it pan out, and I was like, "Oh, thank God, it's over." <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, I, basically, it is sort of a contradictory message of like he's sort of more self-aware, and he realizes that he is kind of a douche, but he's also not above sort of these still like limited social obsessive tendencies. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I, like there's yeah. a point in the move in the middle of the film where he has a chance to apologize, mm-hmm. and he doesn't. Yeah. Um, and then Eduardo's like, hey, you did the right thing. You apologize, right? And, and then there's just, just this he, moment where like, mm. Well, he literally just says, we have to expand. <laughs> we have to expand. <laughs> so, like, not even not apologize. He's like, I have to make it bigger and better until she apologizes. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably met Martin Shkreli, right? Oh, Jesus. Do, are there more um, interviews and quotes and things you sure. want? Sure. Yeah, because we're getting to the end of the... Absolutely. We only have a few songs left. Yeah. The song that plays at the end credits is Baby, You're a Rich Man by the Beatles. Oh, yeah. When you're singing along to that song, do you ever change the lyrics to Baby, you're a West Man Tooth? Vince Vaughn's character from Anchorman, because that's what I do when I sing along to that song. (laughs) For some reason. Tooth, yeah. I don't know why I do that. I don't know why. West Man Tooth. I'll be honest, I don't sing to the Beatles ever. Um, it's not a band I like. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, this was a long shot that any of you would have latched onto Vince Vaughn's character in that but film as securely as I had. Maybe a listener has. Yeah, listeners. Answers on a postcard. Have you ever? Some <laughs> yeah, answers on a postcard, and also tell us in a review on iTunes. Yeah, with All five right, stars. So I should explain. That's an old "Shut Up Leonard" bit that I keep referencing the answer <laughs> on a postcard thing. Oh, fans really? of Shut Up Leonard. That's a callback to one of my classic Aww. goofs on that show. I like it. It's a good goof. <laughs> Thank you. We should like make a P.O. Box. Yeah. <laughs> P.O. Box 420-6969, Los Angeles, <laughs> California. That might yeah. be a thing, though, so probably don't send a postcard to that. Yeah. Or do. Just or say do. what's up. You, yeah. s- you, seem, you seem cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know you blaze it. <laughs> blaze it? Yeah. Up top. <laughs> Shall we do a segment of Hotline Trent? It's been like it's been about forty-five minutes since we mentioned the name Trent Reznor. Oh yeah. Um, Here, hold on. Let's let's pause. The, for are we going to do it? Sound okay. clip. I know when it's Hotline Trent. It's gonna be time well spent. Um. So, <laughs> so this is the interview with the rap, and um, so. Trent Reznor, when he was approached with this project, he said, the first thing that struck me was, I don't think it's the obvious choice for someone like me. It was a really dark subject matter, a horror film, mass murder, something like that. I think it would be a more connect-the-dot scenario. But here's a movie primarily of people in rooms talking. So what do we do with this thing? But when I read the script, any initial balking I might have had about a movie about the founding of Facebook was quickly eradicated. Uh, We sat and watched maybe 40 minutes of a rough cut to get the idea of the tone and the actors and the overall look. And we just went off and started working on the broad stroke ideas to see what might resonate. What might resonate? Resonate. Resonate. So yeah, this is just a little bit more about production. Um, uh, Right off the bat, everybody leaned in the direction of, let's not do an orchestral score. Strong choice and an accurate choice. Um, David wanted something that had electronic leanings and was iconic. He referenced things from Tron, Blade Runner, and talked about a Tangerine Dream-ish kind of sound. Hmm. Is this Tangerine Dream-ish? I don't know that one. Yeah. I think it's like kind of indie, sort of like 
Space rock. Okay. Um, something that would feel like it had a uniqueness and a presence in the film. I, I feel like it... Whenever the, yeah. when the yeah, soundtrack... Like, the soundtrack was all about sort of, like, movement through the plot. And then when there's a climactic scene, the soundtrack usually just goes dead silent. Yeah. And it just makes every line of dialogue hit so much harder. Yeah. Which is the opposite of what a lot of soundtracks do. And right. I, I like this one for that. Because, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit more like, yeah, it's atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere. And then when the characters are finally having, like, a climactic moment, gone. S- steps back, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Except for in the one scene, like, the, the race. Yeah. yeah with the That's exactly. where the build yeah. is best. But it would be really boring to see that race with without. No, I know. That's yeah. And even that one, like when the race is up, like it builds and builds, and then it gets super, super loud. Right. And then it cuts off so that they can, you know, get feel shame in front of their dad. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I when I when I went through my super obsessed with this movie phase, I watched all the special features on the. Oh Blu-ray yeah, special well. features. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one of them was Trent Reznor walking through like the room where he made a lot of the music for the movie. Ooh. And I don't know if this is where he records a lot or if this was just for the movie, but it was this it was this crazy like really small. Uh, I don't know if it was a trailer because I didn't, I don't think we see the outside of it, but like mm-hmm. trailer sized room with just boards everywhere all over the walls just and everything. so many boards and it was just like so cramped like literally like i would say less than half of the space of the room we're in right now that's something nuts. we learned and last I, episode is in his home studio trent reznor really favors plywood for like sound masking interesting yeah i didn't know plywood was good for that yeah, yeah. um but yeah i just thought oh, what a horrible cramped space to spend time oh, did, in while you're did making- you mean soundboards? Yeah, that's oh. what I meant. Yeah, I thought you meant like wooden boards, dead trees. Okay, <laughs> wow. never mind. Oh, no, I meant soundboards. <laughs> but that um, is that is generally how Trent has his whole situation laid out. Is he'll yeah. run one yeah. processor through another processor through another yeah. processor, and, and it's just like boards and boards and boards and boards. Yeah, yeah. It's it's worth watching if you, if you can. Find yeah, it. Well, absolutely. I'll, I'll I can loan you the Blu-ray if you want to see it. Um, it so I thought the, an interesting the note YouTube. is uh, Trent and Atticus sat down and they didn't look at the script. Um, they had seen some of that rough, those rough cuts, but um, they just when they were writing, they just adhered to something that was a little bit electronic, or rooted in synthesized sound, but had a vulnerability to it—a human element, Aww. which I think is totally there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like I think sort of um, like Zuckerberg, his emotional state in the whole film is sort of communicated, you know, non-verbally. Like you see, sort of like micro expressions on his face, or like when he's like biting his lip all angry yeah. like more like does, microaggression he never really says how he's feeling because he always tries to like he always tries to diffuse situations where he might feel an emotion yeah like whenever his girlfriend is like trying to break up with him he's like you're hungry let's get some food yeah like he's, <laughs> he's, he's, try, he's trying to find an out instead yeah. of like talking about anything um but yeah the music i feel like sort of communicates his inner inner workings um it's kind of it is kind of like another actor in the movie i like that a lot <laughs> yeah oh and one last thing um, what they intend, what Reznor and Atticus Ross intended to do was send David 10 to 20 rough drafts, and they thought it would be the first of several times that they'd be doing that just to say, like, here's some general stuff. Is it in the ballpark? Are we close? But their first time they sent it in, David Fincher said, I think the lion's share of composition has been done because this works perfectly. Wow. And he wasn't wrong because they won an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But one thing, one amusing visual for me is hypothesizing what it was like for, like, the Academy when they were, like, sitting in a room watching this film and they were just like, the soundtrack's dope as shit, dude. <laughs> like, you know, whoever whoever the mysterious Academy folks might be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do we want to find that? Find what? The acceptance speech. Oh, yeah, we need it. We need it. <laughs> 
see little Trent get all emotional. Starfuckers Incorporated here. About to accept an Oscar. <laughs> oh, Nicole looks so cute. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is so cute. This is oh, the first Queen, Academy Queen, Award nomination for Trent Reznor oh, yeah. and Atticus Ross. Oh, man. They hug it out. I, I see Trent one with a bow tie rather than a... Uh huh. Wow. Big into Doctor Who. Is this really happening? Um, when we finished work on The Social Network, uh, we were very proud of our work and happy to just be involved in this film. And to be standing up here in this company is humbling and flattering beyond words. Um, I'd like to especially thank the Academy for recognizing our work here and David Fincher. David Fincher. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for the opportunity. I'd also like to thank my wonderful wife, Mary Queen. I love you so much. Uh, time's nearly out, so I've got to improvise a little. Um, David, everyone who brought the film to life, thank you so much. Trent, I think you're a genius, a great friend and a genius. Um, my wonderful wife, Claudia, and our three children, I love you. Thank you. Very sweet. Yep, very sweet indeed. Oh, wait, there's a Golden Globes acceptance speech, too. We should probably also... For this also? Or for uh, exactly a different Exactly the same thing, yes. Alec Baldwin and J-Lo. Here are the nominees for Best Original Score. The, the King's were... Speech, Alexandra Desplat. The King's Speech, Alexandra Desplat. Alice in Wonderland. Alice in Danny Wonderland. Elfman. Danny Elfman. He's legit. This movie looks fucking nuts. 127 it? 127 hours. They are Ramon. No, I haven't seen the Alice The Social movie. Network. Wow. Reznor. Atticus Ross. Inception. Inception. Hans Zimmerman. Okay, and the winner is... And the Golden Globe goes to... Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Crowd favorite, it sounds like. Yeah, well, yeah, listen to it. That nice little sound, that clip that they all use. This is the first win and first nomination for both Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) Well, yeah. It's the first win and first nomination. This is uh, really flattering to be recognized in this field. Thank you very much. Uh, a year ago, I had no idea I'd be have the opportunity to score a film, and the idea of standing up here accepting this award is completely surreal. Thank you. We would like to collectively thank David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin, Scott Rudin, Amy Pascal, Leo Volek, Ren Kleiss, and everyone involved with this picture, as well as our wives and families. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Swanky. All right. Um, yep, that'll do it for that. So I guess let's jump back in for the last couple of tracks. Mm-hmm. The Gentle Hum of Anxiety. 
This sounds like my everyday life. Mm. Any final thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> what have we not talked about? So how soon after watching this movie did you like get on Facebook? <laughs> that, that's the thing is like I was. Well, I uh, think I was on Facebook before I saw this movie. R- well, no. I oh, mean, like check it. Yeah, that's because that's the thing is like, how, whatever, you know, really, you know, uh, convoluted and controversial origin story surrounds this program, this platform, it still kind of pervades our everyday life. Because um, yeah. yeah, like. I was kicking back on the couch after watching this movie, and then I saw, like, I already had a Facebook tab open on my phone, so I was like, hmm. I mean, I let's be honest, you always have Facebook open on Maybe your I phone. do. <laughs> Maybe I do, because I am I'm too old for um, Instagram. I, should, I mean... I should, get, I should get on that, right? It's just... Pick, I don't know what... I don't understand. I mean, you're you're a mindless scroller, which, like, I'll fall into in, in the daytime, like, in the morning and at night. Yeah. Um... You'll just like scroll and sc- whereas like after a while I'll scroll a little bit and be like, well this is useless and yeah. stupid and then I close it. See, I I say, well this is useless and stupid and then I do it for another hour. Yeah, it's more my stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Both of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got I got another fun quote from Resner. Um, so we didn't take the approach of the here's Mark Zuckerberg slash Darth Vader theme creeping in every time he shows up. You know, it's not like that sort of Shakespearean theatrical like. Everyone has a musical cue for that specific thing. Um, instead, they use the piano as sort of a human centerpiece. So, um, human centerpiece. Any, <laughs> I know. <laughs> anytime centerpiece. That, <laughs> anytime that there's that something is rooted in melody, it'll be accompanied by piano, and that piano will have a sense of humanity and frailness and vulnerability to it. And then we'll drop the piano down into an alien landscape, which might be icy and synthetic. Huh. That's, yeah. that's actually, I think, the most purpley you know, flowery language he used to describe uh, his, his soundscapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, normally he just sort of does broad terms, but that seems almost specific. Yep. So, do you listen to Nine Inch Nails at all? No. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you know about Nine Inch Nails? Um, I know that uh, I know that they opened for Bowie at one point. Because mm-hmm. I love Bowie. Yeah. Um... I know that Closer featured in a Weird Al Pokemon medley. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, th- I think that's it. I know, uh, I'll tell you how little I know about Nine Inch Nails. So I, I, I'm, I'm one of those classic uh, people that maybe Nine Inch Nails fan would hate that I, I do know the Johnny Cash version of Hurt way more than I know the Nine Inch Nails I mean, I, I play it up because it's fun. It's, it's like uh, kayfabe. I will say this, though. I know so little about Nine Inch Nails that when I, um, when I, I heard uh, the original version of that song, the Nine Inch Nails version, in an episode of Rick and Morty. I didn't realize that was Nine Inch Nails. Like, I knew they did this song, but I didn't know yeah. that version was them. I was yeah. like, oh, who did this cover of the Nine Inch Nails song? <laughs> oh, no, that's the original. I've never heard it before. <laughs> um, so, yeah, very. I know very little. <laughs> but I like well, that's this the movie thing. a that's- lot. That I, I think is Nine Inch Nails in a nutshell. It's like it's got a massive cult audience in a specific niche of the music industry, and honestly, yeah, probably their biggest crossover into the mainstream is with their soundtrack work. Yeah. And again, it's not technically released under the label of Nine Inch Nails. This is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross performing as a thing. Yeah. And Have this they done is, other movies uh, after this though? They do Gone Girl and Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh, not, I've seen both of those. Not in, not in those <laughs> oh, orders. Yeah, because yeah. they're all David Fincher movies. And uh, I feel like God, it would be cool uh, yeah. to have a, a movie expert to, to pop in and uh, contrast our just 
Trent Reznor fandom with actual movie knowledge. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize I haven't seen those movies and understand them. Well, no, I'm <laughs> I know. Sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, have you watched those movies every day for a week? What? Uh, oh, Gone Girl, Girl and, and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. No, well, I, I saw Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is like almost shot for shot the same as the Swedish version. So it's like, yeah, I interesting. No, I would need to watch this again because I've yeah. Um, uh, Gone Girl I really like um, I, I've only seen it the once in theaters though but I, I could see myself watching that a few more times I like that movie yeah I like it we'll I like it. later era Fincher a lot more than earlier era Fincher no shade to Fight Club but I kind of hate Fight Club uh, I mean yeah a lot of people yeah. too I thought it was brilliant at the time but I don't love it anymore it's one of those yeah. things that like is good on its own but like in the context of like the, the rabid fandom of like sort of like super broy dipshits it's like it's hard it's harder to enjoy yeah yeah it's the fedora energy is strong <laughs> i mean it's it's another one of those things where like it was my favorite thing until i learned who loved it the most yeah. same with tool i don't listen to tool anymore yeah. because i know who tool fans are yeah and i don't want to connect with any yeah i don't i don't want to connect <laughs> yeah um, with that seven two though i think really doesn't hold up for me but like no zodiac in this movie i haven't seen zodiac it's very good but Seven is one of those, I loved it at the time, and now when I try to watch it, I'm like, it's too dark. Yeah. Like, visually, in a way that, like, stifles the movie. Yeah. And it's just... <laughs> Zodiac's really good, though. Yeah, I'll watch it. Big ups to Zodiac. Is that Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah. And he plays kind of a dumbass. He plays, no, he plays a very sweet boy okay. who, who, gets a, who, <laughs> who gets obsessed with the Zodiac, and, and it kind of ruins his life trying right. to figure out who the Zodiac is. Yeah. Um, so I pulled an interesting quote here from the LA Times, Pop and Hiss, okay. February 2011. I, I, I think that's like their music section, Pop and Hiss. Oh, Pop and Hiss. I thought you said Pop and Hiss. I did <laughs> I was too. Like, is some weird <laughs> Harry that's Potter word you just said in the middle of this? That's preposterous. <laughs> um, so what's interesting is, um, you know, as we said, initially Trent Reznor said yes to David Fincher, then turned it down and then came back to it. And one of the reasons he did come back to it, this project, Social Network, said um, he saw a relatable character in Mark Zuckerberg. Isn't that interesting? Um, he said, um, oh. I've been that guy in my own mind with the pursuit of my own career in Nine Inch Nails. I know that feeling of having a good idea that is more important than anything and more important than any relationship I had at the time. It's cost me friendships. I look back and I say, wow, what a... And this is interesting. Wow, what a brackets jerk I was at this period of my life. <laughs> what word do you think Trent Reznor used? Probably like asshole. Probably asshole. Well, but it says a uh, jerk. What a fuckhead. It doesn't say un jerk. Yeah, so but, yeah. I mean, come what on. a douche. Um, yeah. Nobody's gonna say what a dick. Uh, asshole. Yeah. They might have censored dick. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I can see that now, but at the time I was on a quest that was more important. That's what I dug into. To aid in what David was trying to accomplish and readying Sorkin's script with no picture, it was impossible for me to feel like this guy wasn't a complete jerk, brackets, in the film. Seeing it um, with what I thought Eisenberg... So he thought Eisenberg did an amazing job taking his looks of disgust or sadness or repulsion and whatever it might be. There's an element of sympathy. You see the weight of these consequences in his face. Musically, it's our responsibility to this film to add an element. For instance, when you see him leave the classroom after being called out, and runs into the hallway and runs into the Winklevoss twins, musically, there's a real ominous feel. You feel that something bad is happening, that the evil is cooking. Without that, it feels differently. But we set it we set it up so that a seed of evil has been born. Something devious is about to happen. The reoccurrence of the title track at different points in the film, when you're seeing Zuckerberg reduced and coming back in a diminished fashion, that was our main role. We wanted to add a level of humanity. You can say, what a jerk, but I think it became more human. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that reminds me actually. So I read an interview with Jesse Eisenberg once, hmm. where he was saying he's like somewhere uh, on mild on the autism spectrum, and he has trouble relating and talking to people in the same way that Zuckerberg does in this movie, mm. and that he actually almost didn't do the movie because he was afraid he would fall back into those patterns, which he kind of worked really hard to get over. Oh wow. man! Now uh, I yeah, re- I, I honestly, I did, I did wonder if there was some autism at play with Jesse Eisenberg because the way he portrays it is so genuine. Yeah. And yeah, he says like, yeah, this is, yeah, like, this kind of thing is very much a problem for me. Yeah. Wow. Almost, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, he did a phenomenal job. Yeah. I'm glad he was able to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of work that he's done. I think he's a good enough actor, but yeah. he does do the movie, the double. I like that movie a lot. Did you? I was like, anybody, anybody? Yeah, Which I like that movie. I read was an interpretation of a Dostoevsky novel but it's really good and it's kind of like a cooler fight club yeah yeah Yeah. Richard Iotti directed (laughs) that right Hmm? Richard Iotti directed that yes yeah He's so good. Yeah, Richard Iotti's great. He's he's the best. And Shall then, we? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean we can wrap up. I don't have anything that important. Like how um, how obnoxious did you find the keyboard hammering in this film? Like there's there's a lot of keyboard hammering. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's like I think that's like I, a weird slight ASMR trigger for me because oh, I always yeah. love that sound. Oh yeah, me too. I, uh, yeah, I had a good I, song for the outro. Oh sure. Or just should we just start at any point in the? Um, this is maybe my favorite. It's in motion. Oh yeah. Although. Cool. No, 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 I like this. It reminds me of Drive. Yeah, you can turn up a little bit. So that's been our episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you to our special guest, Benson of Benview. Thank you. Benson of Benview Network. That's your new theme song. And yeah, we're going to be in. (laughs) I'm going to play that before I enter any podcast. (laughs) Now, coming to the stage. (laughs) So yeah, as as normal, uh, find us at Trent Talk Pod on Twitter. And Facebook. And Facebook. And you can go to BenviewNetwork.com slash Trent Talk Pod to find older episodes. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and whatever. Just everywhere. Pocket Rate, cast. review, and subscribe. Pocket Cast. Just throw out one that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Please, please, please. And we do have a little Patreon if you want to ha- let us do more things. Please. We have Patreon. a lot of cool perks that I haven't... I mean, I'm sitting pretty not having to create these perks, but I would love to do it. Yeah, let's do it. have some content to throw at you, but, you know, uh, scratch my back, we'll scratch yours. Yeah. Because I Sweet think it would be... Tent for you guys. Some Trent tent. That's not bad. <laughs> Trent tent. I imagine like a little tent. Um, we are thinking about doing Trent talk like episodes for other albums, which we'll put on Patreon. Mm. So that's a thing. Exclusies. Exclusies. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Claire Willis, C-L-A-R-E-E-W-O-L-F. And I am at Shia Carey, C-H-E-Y-A-C-A-R-Y. Dr. Matt Benson, that's Dr. Matt Benson. <laughs> Tremendous. Um, so uh, all at once, you ready? Nine inch. Nailed, nailed it. it. <laughs> sorry. No, nope, you nailed it. It was good. It was good. Also, sorry, I keep hitting my, I keep hitting my headphones on the microphone oh, in this I do episode because I'm not used to where the mic is. So I'm sorry to everybody who had to hear bonk a hundred times. <laughs> Yeah, like maybe, five. That's, maybe that's someone else's ASMR trigger. Like oh, the maybe. Are for us. Well, then in that case. <laughs> I don't know. All I right. can do my glasses. <laughs> there you go. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. 
You can find this and other podcasts like it at bendunetwork.com.